Last week, I laid out two passages that... Uh, Emily, do I have passages on there? Do I? I do? Okay, cool. Let's, let's, do, uh, let's do those again. I laid out two passages last week that I was like, I want us to just like get these in ourselves. So, naturally, we're going to do them again today. <laughs> and we're going to maybe keep doing that until you get sicker. So... <clears throat> Yeah. Does anybody want to? Um... No. Why don't we actually let's let's have somebody read right from up front here, and then um, we'll change the slide to the next verse, and someone else can read. So just jump in, have a read. You have heard that it was said, "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll jump there next. Thank you. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Awesome. Awesome. So last week, we talked a bit about that, and uh, we focused in on the speck and the log. We talked about clarity, right? We gotta, we got to point our fingers inward at ourselves, take a look at what's going on here, and be honest about that. And deal with some junk. And that'll change us and that'll give that'll give us clarity as we're as we're trying to figure out what's going on out here, as we try to figure out what to do with the issues in the world, what to do with people who we are having issues with. Starts here. So this week, I'd like to focus a little more on loving our enemies. And again, I know I said this before, but guys, I, these two, I don't know what's going on, but like these two passages, I'm just like, I think, this is, I think this is what we need right now. And not just us, I feel like the church at large needs these two passages more than ever before. Or, well, I shouldn't say that, that's a little egocentric. More than in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm sure there were other times where we needed it more. Um, but yeah, so again, I just want us to live uh, breathe and bleed this stuff. Yeah, because I don't think, I think if we're not doing this, if we're not doing these two things, and we don't get this, we're not really going to make any progress on loving our neighbors as ourselves. Which, I mean, well, you know, we can jump there later too and talk more about that. But if we're not making any headway on that, then I also think we're probably not, in truth, going to be making any headway on loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we're not doing either of those two things, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> what are we, why are we even bothering? <laughs> what are we up to here? 
Um, so I just, yeah, I think these, I think these are going to be the ticket for us in some real ways. So, love of enemy. That passage, right? So, somebody want to, you know, actually, let's do a bit of back and forth. What, uh, why? Why was it, why love your enemies? Yeah, don't, don't give it away on the mm -hmm. slide. You, in fact, you can put that away if you want to. But, <laughs> but if, you, if, you need to, if you need to jump back into your Bible, right, that's Matthew 5, 43 to 48. But why love your enemies? It's because that's not the way God thinks. Right. I mean, he does, he loves enemies and his friends. He loves everyone. So yeah. we need to think like God. Right. Because we're children. Hmm? Because we're children. Hmm. We normally think of our enemies as humans, but I think that's the context of it, hmm. not um, other entities hmm. that might be influencing people. But in terms of humans, mm -hmm. we're part of one family, hmm. at least we're supposed to be, and God wants everybody to be brought in to his family. Hmm. And so, our, what we might deem an enemy, hmm. or they might think we're their enemy, um, that's only in our mind. Hmm. And in reality, they're potentially part of God's family. And yeah. so we're supposed to yeah. treat them as if they will be part of I like the way you're thinking, Rob. I'm going to stick with, with, the, with the reason Jesus gives in the passage for this morning. But I do, I think that's a, I, I love that angle. I think that is a good way for us to be, to be taking in and thinking about it. These are people who God has made, who God wants in God's family, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, God mm -hmm. loves, loved us as we were self-centered and we hated him. And if that spirit is now in us, how could we be any different? Jordan, you're on fire. I was going to go to Romans 5, 6 to 11. Oh, guys, you're all doing great. Okay, We're all on the level here. Okay, but so Eunice and Bavica right, point out things that Jesus says in this verse as to why. Because this is what God does. Right? And because we, this is what God does, and we're children of God, then this is what we need to do. Right? It says, um, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And again, like the word son is an interesting thing, right? It doesn't, it's not children, it's sons. And that isn't, um, I want to just, you know, when, when you see the word sons, specifically, I, it's, it's an interesting little thing. It's not about excluding women. But in the context, a son is, it, it's, if you use the word children and make it gender neutral, it doesn't quite drive the same. Because in the context, the son is the, the heir. Right? So, guys and gals alike, we all get to be sons in that sense. And so, if you want to be sons of your Father in Heaven, if you want to prove to be sons of your Father in Heaven, if you want to be heirs, if this is really who you are, right, then this is what you got to do. Because that's what God does. He's not picking favorites when it comes to the rain. Everybody gets rain. So, 
Yeah, and again, there was I, I mentioned this last week, but you know, Jesus has this um, this other dialogue uh, elsewhere, where he's talking with the Pharisees, and uh, and he's he's like, "Who's your father?" or whatever, something like that, and they're like, well, "We're you know we're we're children of Abraham." And he's like, "Why do you say you're children of Abraham? You're not children of Abraham. If you were sons or children of Abraham, right? If you were sons of Abraham, you would do what Abraham did, but you don't. You do what your father does. You do what Satan does. That's what he says." The most like righteous people around, <laughs> Jesus calls them sons of Satan because of how they live. So I think that can be a little, you know, humbling for us. <laughs> um, let's be sons of God. Let's do what God does. And so, as Jordan uh, pointed out, and uh, and and Chris was sending radio waves uh, with his mind, uh, Romans chapter five. Verses 6 to 11, if I've written those numbers down correctly, of course. Which, you know, it's always a real question. Right. For while we were still weak, the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved, oh, sorry, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Another translation says, we now um, boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And I find that this raises a question for me, right? Which is, can we boast in God? Can we rejoice in God through Jesus Christ? If we are not also loving our enemies, as Jesus did. Right? Like this, this passage, it's like it's just talking about how awesome it is that God loved us and died for us while we were sinners and enemies. And then it's like we 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 boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's can we do that if we're not if we're not also doing it that way, right? If we're not also loving our enemies in the same manner as Jesus. And I think that Jesus himself suggests, not really, we can't, we can't, we don't really, we don't get to boast in that if we're not doing it. That's, I think that's a suggestion. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm interpreting this a little bit here, but join me in, uh, in Matthew 18, verse 21. <clears throat> right, so this is in the context of, for, of uh, talking about forgiveness. And I think it super duper relates to love. I don't think it's a big stretch, so work with me on this. So then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often uh, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? Jesus said, I do not say to you seven, but seventy times seven, right? And then he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was uh, brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And he said, uh, and since he could not pay his master, uh, sorry, since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold 
with his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Rough go. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe! So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So I know that's about forgiveness. It's not about love of enemies explicitly. I don't think I need to work too hard to make the connection, though. Right? Christ, I, was, uh, I could only watch it once, so it really freaked me out. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a YouTube video about somebody who experienced and God showed her that a lot of quote unquote believers. Mm-hmm are in hell because he didn't forgive them. I don't know. It doesn't sound theologically correct, so, but it's really, but at least it, it did drive home the point. That, yeah. yeah, so I mean, the, I don't know about, you know, whatever video or, or whatever, yeah. but I mean, and I also don't know about being theologically correct. Yeah. I have a, you know, I have a, a master's in theological studies, allegedly, um, and, uh, and I don't know what theologically correct is a lot of the time. I'll, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tricky stuff. But I do know what Jesus said. And I'm willing to work with that, right? And, and this is what he said. So also my Heavenly Father will, will do to you, right? And it's, and it's a, you know, the, there's a because in there, right? And the because is because this is what God has done. God is, God's forgiving, so you got to forgive. And I mean, that's even in the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, one of the places, uh, one, of the, one of the versions of the Lord's Prayer we have, right? Um, well, they both, they both say, forgive us, right? As we also forgive. And then one of them actually concludes at the end of it, uh, Jesus says, so if you don't forgive, probably the one in Matthew, given that this is in Matthew, but if you, so if you don't forgive, then your Heavenly Father won't forgive you. That's what he says. <laughs> so, in the context of loving our enemies, right, when we have Jesus saying, love your enemies, so that you may be children of your Father in Heaven, or you may be sons of your Father in Heaven, because this is what He does, Right? And then we have Romans, right? To, in, in Paul saying in Romans, like, 
While we were enemies of God, he was loving us. He was dying for us. And we boast in that. All right. Boast all you want. If you're doing it, if you're following that example, how do you, how do you boast in the guy right, who died for his enemies? How do you boast in being that enemy? You know, that forgiven person. And then you just hate you just hate people because they're your enemies. How do you how do you do that? It doesn't work. Yeah. God wants us to treat people in the same gracious manner, gracious and loving manner that He has treated us, right? And that He is treating them. Get on board. This is what He's up to. Also, right, we love uh, we love because God first loved us, right? We know we know that too. First John nineteen twenty one uh, nineteen to twenty one. We love because he first loved us. And if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him: Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So again, John right here he's talking about brother, right? Brother or sister context familial, right? But Again, this is, this is not, um, the word being used is not the brotherly love word. It's agape. Right? So it's the, it's the love that we're called to love everybody with. So, so in, the, in the church, right, we've got, there's different kinds of love. And that's actually totally okay. There's different kinds of relationships. Totally okay. Right? I mean, uh, I might be pretty close with Jay. So we might have a lot of uh, phileo going on. Some brotherly love. Right? It's legit. Like that guy. But, <laughs> and I might not have that with everybody. And that is okay. You get to have relationships in a certain, you know, a certain kind of, kind of way. They're different. But agape, that's the stuff we're just supposed to do. You know, that's the love you have to have for your brother, otherwise you're a liar if you're saying you love God. That's the love that you've got to have for your enemy. That's the love your your neighbor as yourself. That's the like. It's just this. It's unconditional. If there's a person there, they get this love. That's what God is doing, and it's not. It's not about. Again, I think I mentioned this last week, but I love the way C.S. Lewis mentions this. Um, the agape thing. It's like, it's the love that God loves us with, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. Right. You'll actually hear a lot of people. Um, Talk about, and I've probably even done this before, but talk about how like you know you gotta love people because of their like intrinsic value, right? Everybody is valuable, right? Everyone, and it's like, okay, I, I do believe that everybody is valuable. I do, because they're made by God and all this. But the thing is, with agape, it's not it's not love them because they have an intrinsic value. It's not love them because they're worth it. It's love them. It's love them because God loves them. It's love them because God is love. It's love, it's not, there's no, um, so, so part of the issue when we, when we frame it in terms of this intrinsic value thing is that there's actually this sense of like, well, we deserve it, right? Like God, or, or we earn it somehow, or it's just like this, I, you know, God loves me because of who I am, right? And so you should love me because of who I am. And like, yeah, God made you who you are, and that's all good stuff. But the thing is, is it's not actually, God doesn't love you because of who you are. 
I think that God can like who you are. I think that's, you know, but God loves you because of who God is. And so when we're out here on the ground trying to do the love thing, and we're like, oh, yeah, but Jordan is so hard to love. I can't figure out, I can't figure out what is, you know, like, how do I love this guy? I can't, I'm looking for something to love, and, I'm, and I can't find it. Who cares? Like, that's the, that's the wrong route. It's the wrong route to love. Because it's, I don't need to find something to love in Jordan. I mean, I, I, I'm terrible. I'm picking on you. You just, you came here for the first time. But I don't need to find something to love in Jordan. God loves him because of who God is. And God loves me because of who God is. And so I just need to love with that stuff. The love that God is giving me, I just gotta, I just gotta bounce that back out there. I gotta jump in on the love that God is loving on Jordan. Participate, share. And it's just because of who God is. Okay, I'm talking in circles now, but I just, if you're having a hard time, if you're having a hard time finding something to love in somebody, just, I would encourage you to think maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking the wrong angle. I don't get an excuse out of this love my enemies business. And again, right, these were the people, like Jesus is saying this to people with real enemies. I mentioned this last week too. Real enemies. The Romans, okay? Like, Romans, the threat of crucifixion all the time, right? Don't steal over bread, you might get crucified. Like, I don't know, that, like, it's, it's, they're scared. Love your enemies. And they're, they're waiting for God's Messiah. They're waiting for God's Messiah to show up and kill their enemies. And God's Messiah shows up and says, love your enemies. I want to actually, um, I want you to just do something for me. Just to really, maybe this will help drive it home if I haven't done that already. But just imagine, and imagine someone who you um, truly believe to be evil. You might, you might already, like, you might have a person in mind. You're like, okay, I think that person is truly evil. Maybe, you know, maybe they're, uh, I don't know, some politician somewhere. Um, or maybe if you can't do that, just, just conjure somebody up in your mind. They can be past or present, right? A lot of people do Hitler. They, they, they have a hard time. They're like, ah, we'll do Hitler. Right. So imagine someone you truly believe to be evil. Okay, now imagine that this person is caught by their enemies. And they're trying to extract, I don't know, valuable political information or something, right? So they're torturing them. And then, of course, they're going to kill them when they get what they want. Okay, so now imagine you have the opportunity to save this evil person. You can get them out of their torture and murder. But you have to. You have to do it. You have to get tortured. And die. In order to prevent this evil person from getting tortured and killed. You have to do it. Would you do it? Jesus did. That's the love of enemies. That's exactly what Romans talks about. Have I talked to you guys about the Good Samaritan before? Have I done that here? Do you remember that? Okay, cool. We'll just yeah, we'll do it. Okay. Let's, uh, let's read the Good Samaritan. It's uh, Luke 10, 25. That's where it starts. Can I get someone to read uh, 25 to 28? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your for all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Okay. Someone want to read um, 29 and 30? And he was about to have himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And this Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place uh, and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So this obviously, right, is in the context of the command, love your neighbor, who is my neighbor. I, I really believe that in the command to love your enemies, Jesus is really trying to bust up our thinking and open up the category of neighbor. People knew about that a little bit, right? But he's trying to say, okay, the enemy is now included in that too. And I think this parable is part of that extended conversation. Because Samaritans are enemies. Samaritans are bad guys. Um, I, one scholar that I was reading basically was saying that if you're you know, first century uh, Jew, you hear Samaritan, you think rapist and murderer. They're the bad guys. And so this story that Jesus tells is a shock value story. It's meant to really upset you. Um, yeah, they're just it's like what, so you want you want me to learn from the bad guy about how to love like it's just what is what is going on there right? So when he says who is my neighbor, instead of answering that question, Jesus flips it to how do you be a neighbor, and then says do it like that guy, do it like the bad guy. Do it like that person you would judge, right? Last week we had the thank God I'm not that guy thing. Well, that's that guy. Samaritan is the guy who you're saying, thank God I'm not that guy, and that's maybe the guy you need to learn to love from. Because he's loving his enemy. And you need to go and do likewise. Go be like that person you hate, because they just did a good job. Maybe the Samaritan is a son of his father in heaven. Tell that to a first century Jew. That's not going to go over well. So, I want to, again, just to, just to help, you know, reframe this a bit. Think, um, imagine the story a little differently, right? We have a priest and Levite and Samaritan. What if we got somebody beat up on the side of the road, right? And a pastor comes by. Pass by on the other side. Okay? A couple minutes later, a worship leader comes by. They also 
They just walk on by like they didn't see anything. Okay? And then the atheist transsexual comes by. They say, hey man, you doing all right? And then they use their resources. They, they interrupt their day. They interrupt their journey. They're actually journeying on a bad road. They pause in a dangerous place. And then they use their time and their money, their hard-earned cash, to help out this person who hates them. Here's another example. There's a homeless encampment. Pastor ignores it because he's too busy. Christian businessman says the homeless people shouldn't have gotten themselves into this position in the first place. And now they need to move on. Then several members of the local queer community organize a protest to allow the homeless encampment to stay. They advocate for the people there to be given access to social workers and uh, also porta-potties. That's a true story. So who is a neighbor? Now go and do likewise. Again, I know I'm, I know I'm blurring this a little bit. The love your neighbor, the love your enemy, but... I think that's what Jesus does. He shocks us, he shakes us up, and he's, he's confusing the whole thing. So if, you, if you're a little confused, great, cool, be confused. Love your enemy, like the Samaritan did. Make them a neighbor. Look at that enemy, look at the, that evil person, and actually ask yourself if they're doing something better than you. The Bible loves doing this, by the way. If you've ever noticed, the book of Jonah is that. That the whole thing, it's that. The bad guy in the book of Jonah? Surprise? It's Jonah. The prophet, the man of God. He's the bad guy at the end of the story. And who's the example to follow in the book of Jonah? The Ninevites. The wicked people. Because they repented. They responded to God. So this is our Bible. This is what it does. Because it wants to change the way we think. Change the way we think about people. Change the way we interact with them. Change our idea of who we can and cannot learn from. And disrupt the categories of good guys and bad guys. Disrupt the category of neighbor and enemy. So love your neighbor as yourself. And that includes your enemy too. So, I want to... Yeah, I want to close with... Uh, with a, uh, I want to just play a song, actually, which it's too bad. I'm not get, not like, I don't do keys, um, but uh, I want to. I'm gonna throw something on here, and it's too bad that uh, Leanne isn't here because she introduced me to this song, and uh, I think it's just awesome. And it's five minutes long, and I just want to use it as a meditation to close with. So just, just hang out, listen, pray, and uh, yeah.
thank you for your words. Thank you that they are challenging. And Lord, I just ask you for the grace for all of us to rise to meet that challenge, to live as children and as heirs of our Father in heaven, to live by the example of Jesus, Lord, and to lavishly pour out the love the grace and the mercy 
that you have poured out on us. Ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus the Christ. So, um, as is our tradition, it is now open discussion time. Questions and comments, I'll turn off the recording.